Hi listeners and welcome back to VJ Oncology Podcasts. Today we bring you an engaging episode recorded at the 2023 ESMO World Congress on Gastrointestinal Cancer in Barcelona, Spain. We're today joined by three eminent experts in the field of GI cancer. Dr. Philip Philip from Wayne State University School of Medicine, Henry Ford Health in Detroit, Michigan. Dr. Shuki Bazabashi from the King Faisal Specialist Hospital and Research Center in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia and Dr. Anna Wagner from the University of Lausanne in Switzerland. Together, we will discuss the latest trial updates and treatment options for GI cancers. So, Dr. Philip, we know that there are several targetable mutations in pancreatic cancer. Could you give an overview of the possibility of precision medicine for pancreatic cancer? The next generation sequencing will help us at this time to make some decisions on patients. For example, patients who have uh, BRCA mutations or PALB2 mutations or, uh, or to that matter DNA repair defects, maybe those patients will benefit more with, uh, with some of the drugs we use. And that's, that's a way, for example, we're doing now, we're doing it for BRCA mutations, but I'm sure that this will extend to the other DNA repair mutations where DNA damaging drugs like platinum compounds can be used, but also using uh, PARP inhibitors as maintenance treatment in some of those patients. Uh, Certainly, if we have uh, some markers like uh, in a patient like microsatellite instability or tumor mutation burden, that might be another reason for us to use, uh, uh, to use, uh, uh, for example, immunotherapy. Uh, but also, there is importance because uh, there is a fraction of the patients uh, who have KRAS wild type. So just to go back and think of. Uh, most patients with pancreatic cancer have KRAS mutations, I would say 90% or so, 85-90%. And uh, historically, we didn't have a drug to target the KRAS. Now we are drugs or drug studies or development that would target the KRAS. So that's another good reason to really get those patients and send them to the clinical trials. But in those patients who have RAS wild type, KRAS wild type, within that group, which is 10%, which if you multiply 10% by the number of patients uh, within a country or globally, and I, I thought that when I give my talk, I think like 60,000 or more patients in the world will be RAS, KRAS wild type. Those patients also can benefit from from uh, looking into uh, personalized treatments because there are some uh, targetable mutations and gene fusions that are enriched within that population of RAS wild type. Just to give an example, uh, two weeks ago I started a patient of mine on an FGFR uh, inhibitor. Now we don't use FGFR inhibitors in pancreatic cancer, we never tested that, but this patient happens to be a RAS wild type, and the patient has FGFR fusion, so I started the patient on treatment. Again, if you don't look for it, you won't find it. So that's really a very important aspect. When it comes to liquid biopsies, the liquid biopsies can also serve a similar purpose like that we do for the tissue NGS. And the liquid biopsies in, in pancreatic cancer uh, are important in a way because uh, unfortunately, given the small sample size of uh, tissue that we get sometimes, we don't have enough to do NGS on the tissue itself. So liquid biopsy is a, a another way of looking at it, although we don't always have 
exactly the same results when we do both in the same patient, but in the majority of the patient, patients, it, it will help. And um, the other option obviously would be to do a new biopsy on the patient if, you, if your original diagnostic biopsy doesn't have enough tissue for you to do the NGS, then you have to do another biopsy. But doing a liquid biopsy is one other option that you can do in those patients. Great, thanks Dr. Philip. Dr. Bazabashi, there were several trial updates for metastatic colorectal cancer at this year's conference. Could you provide an overview of the main findings from these trials and what clinical impact will your findings have on patients? I'll be discussing four abstracts. The first one is the VELO trial. And uh, this VELO trial is discussing a patient who failed two lines of therapy with metastatic colorectal cancer. They have multiple options. One of the options is the trifluoridine tepracil, and uh, we know that it actually improves survival compared to bestaporter care. Recent data have shown that patients, when you add bevacizumab to those patients, they actually have a better survival. This is uh, uh, the sunlight trial. So now the VELO trial is actually addressing whether in those patients who are RAS wild type, whether by adding anti-HFR, in this case it was panitumumab, it actually improved the results. And the, the, the idea is actually very interesting and the background is, is, is very reasonable. I think the, the only, uh, the, the, the trial actually, it was a randomized phase two trial and it actually met uh, its primary endpoint by improvement in the progression-free survival. However, unfortunately, there was no overall survival. So it's a small trial. When you compare those data to, if you have somebody whom you wanna give them a trifluoridine tipracil, uh, whether you actually would add bevacizumab or uh, anti-HFR, I think at the present time, I would probably go with uh, bevacizumab, especially that the subgroup analysis for the sunlight trial showed a, 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 a similar hazard ratio in patients who are, are RAS wild type and in patients who are RAS mutant. So this is the Milo trial. The second trial was the deeper trial, and that trial uh, looked at uh, uh, actually, the primary endpoint was the depth of response. And this is first-line therapy in patients with metastatic colorectal cancer who are RAS wild type. And they were randomized to triplet therapy. In this case, it was folfoxiri with either bevacizumab or anti-HFR cetuximab in this case. And this trial we know from previous uh, presentation that it actually met the primary endpoint. There was an increase in the depth of uh, response for the cetuximab arm as compared to the bevacizumab arm. However, when they looked at overall survival, uh, there was the, there, they had to go to the subgroup of patient with left-sided colon cancer, with RAS and BRAF wild type to get a survival advantage. There are two few things here. Number one is the number of the, the number of patients is small uh, with the subgroup analysis, uh, and accordingly you don't get a positive p-value. However, if you look at the numerical difference between the group who received 
bevacizumab versus tuximab, the tuximab arm had numerically much higher uh, survival, up to 12 or 13 months uh, in, in, in those subgroups. Uh, I, would, I, would, I think my only concern is we do have a previous trial, it's called the triplet or triplete trial, which discussed the value of uh, triplet chemotherapy with anti-HFR versus doublet chemotherapy with anti-HFR for patients who are RAS wild type. And in that phase three trial, I think it was either phase three or phase two, there was no difference in PFS, no difference in response rate, and no difference in overall survival between triplet and EGFR versus doublet and EGFR in patients with RAS wild type. So the whole point is, do you really need a triplet plus anti-EGFR? I think that's my only take on this trial. Uh, but we'll wait and see. Uh, the third trial is, is uh, the improved trial. So the improved trial is actually uh, looking at a very interesting uh, uh, point, which is trying to delay uh, the emergence of resistance uh, in the, uh, uh, to anti-HFR therapy in patients with wild-type metastatic colorectal cancer. Similarly, it was a, a randomized trial, first-line setting, patients who are RAS wild-type. And those patients were randomized to a standard of care, which is Folfiri plus cetuximab, given continuously until pro disease progression, versus the investigational arm, which was Folfiri plus cetuximab, but given only for eight cycles, and then patients were, uh, uh, were, were treatment-free until they progress, and they, 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 they are reintroduced to the same regimen upon progression. My only problem with this trial was the primary endpoint. The primary endpoint was progression-free survival on treatment. So it's not looking at progression-free survival in general, but only on treatment. And with this, of course, the trial was positive. So there was an improvement in PFS. Really, uh, uh, there was significant improvement in the uh, progression-free survival on, on treatment for the investigational arm as compared to the standard arm. But I think this is partly because of the primary endpoint that was chosen did not take into account patients who progressed in the treatment-free interval. Uh, so I think the investigators are looking at, uh, uh, you know, uh, going into a phase three trial. And I would rather see the data for just PFS alone. And the last trial was the Evertech trial. And that was uh, based, uh, that was investigating the uh, uh, effect of triplet therapy plus uh, anti-HFR plus anti-PDL1. In this case, it was uh, uh, Avilumab. And the idea behind this, and the, the authors have looked at doublet chemotherapy with anti-HFR in patients who are RAS wild type uh, and, and uh, avilumab, and they actually had good results, although the previous phase two trial did not meet its primary endpoint, but the results were, were encouraging. 
the idea behind this is the more cell kill will actually release more antigen or tumor antigen that actually will be picked up by the uh, phagocytes or phagocytes and actually will be delivered to the T cells. So it will stimulate the immune cycle uh, in the body. So the, the trial was positive. It was a, a phase two trial, single arm phase two trial, and actually met the primary endpoint with an improvement in the PFS, which was the primary endpoint. And uh, the PFS was 14 months. This is very encouraging for a phase two trial uh, with the PFS in patients with metastatic colorectal cancer. We're actually waiting to see if the phase three trial will actually shows a, a significant improvement. Excellent. Thanks, Dr. Bazabashi. Dr. Wagner, you presented findings from the innovation trial, which compared neoadjuvant chemotherapy and trastuzumab with or without pertuzumab in patients with HER2-positive gastric cancer. Could you give us an overview of the trial design and your findings? The innovation trial um, was designed um, giving the, the fact that since more than 10 years, we know that adding trastuzumab to chemotherapy improves survival in patients who undergo palliative chemotherapy for advanced gastric cancer. But we know that um, patients who have locally advanced disease need as well systemic th therapy. Without systemic therapy, they have a very poor survival. So um, first, we treated patients with locally advanced disease, all comers with um, chemotherapy. Um, ECF was the former, former standard according to MAGIC. And this standard was um, changed by publication of the FLOT trial. But whether HER2-positive patients benefit from HER2-targeted therapy was unclear. And this is the scenario where we can really improve survival. So I found this unacceptable not to give a drug which we know that is effective in metastatic disease, but not to give it to patients who have locally advanced disease who have a chance for cure. So this is why we designed the innovation trial. A large effort, finally, it took us over 10 years. It's 1203, um, it's called the 1203 trial because it was in 2012 that I presented the idea to the ERTC board. Um, we finally could start in 2015 the design of this trial is a randomized phase two trial. Primary endpoint is pathologic major, major pathologic response rate as assessed by an independent um, um, uh, pathology, pathology review. Um, and um, so patients were randomized into three trial arms. One was chemotherapy alone, one was chemotherapy plus trastuzumab, and one was chemotherapy plus trastuzumab plus pertuzumab. So patients um, treated with the antibodies were treated during perioperative chemotherapy, and then um, the antibody treatment was continued for a total of one year. The chemotherapy backbone uh, um, corresponding to the standard of care, um, which um, when we started the trial was cisplatin 5-FU. And um, after the publication of the FLOT4 trial, we um, changed the um, chemotherapy backbone to FLOT. So about half of the patients um, included in this trial were treated with cisplatin 5-FU. The other um, half were, patient, were treated with FLOT. 
And um, what we saw is that the major pathologic response rate in the patients treated with chemotherapy alone was 23%. In the patients treated with chemotherapy plus trastuzumab, it was 37%. And in patients treated with chemotherapy, trastuzumab and pertuzumab, it was 26%. And um, we finally found we um, could as well identify the reason for this relative lack of efficacy in the patients treated with the double antibody combination. This was um, most likely due to um, an insufficient dose intensity of chemotherapy. For example, the percentage of patients who were treated with who could be treated with four cycles of perioperative of Preoperative FLOT was 93% um, in patients with treated with FLOT alone, as well as in patients treated with FLOT plus trastuzumab, but it was um, only 80% in patients treated with the double antibody combination. And accordingly, the number of patients, the um, dose intensity of the chemotherapy drugs dropped as well um, in the patients treated with the double antibody combination. And this made a, um, a major difference. So um, what is interesting as well is to look at the results for um, according to the chemotherapy backbone, for example, for patients treated with cisplatin 5-FU, um, the pathologic, major pathologic response rate was 7%. Then in it increased um, by to nearly 27% um, by changing just chemotherapy backbone to FLOT. Um, but um, when adding trastuzumab um, to um, um, FLOT, the pathologic response rate increased um, for the um, for the step uh, to 53%. So really, it seems that um, uh, um, FLOT chemotherapy plus um, trastuzumab seems the winner according to the pathologic response rate. But we don't have any results for survival yet. And I have to say that the adding trastuzumab, that the um, arm with the single antibody um, trastuzumab is a, um, this was an, un must be considered as an unplanned analysis because according to our statistical plan, we decided first to test the double antibody combination and only if the double antibody combination would be positive, then the single um, antibody um, combination would be tested. So this must be considered as an unplanned um, analysis. Nevertheless, um, I think this is these are important results. And this is really the first trial, um, randomized trial, which randomized patients in the perioperative setting to chemotherapy alone and or chemotherapy plus trastuzumab. And now we need to wait for the results of progression-free and overall survival. Um, patients are followed and yeah, we need some more two years about to uh, get these results. Um, I mean, regarding the subgroup analysis, which are new at this meeting, um, I think um, the overall number of patients in, in this included in this trial was too small really to um, and, and the subgroups, um, I mean, patients treated with cisplatin 5-FU and, um, and with FLOT was too small to really draw meaningful conclusions from the subgroup analysis. But one thing I can say is that it looks like if all patients treated with um, 
chemotherapy plus trastuzumab seem to benefit from this combination. Um, liquid biopsies are certainly very important and um, I, we would love to have them integrated in this trial and we had even an opportunity to do it, but the um, uh, recruitment for this trial was um, uh, very difficult as for all perioperative trials. And um, uh, so because of these problems with recruitment, um, after discussion with the ERGC headquarter, we, we could not do this in this trial just for practical reasons because we didn't, didn't want to make it even harder and even more complicated to, to treat these patients. But from a scientific point of view, I mean, uh, it would be really great to have the um, more info information about CD CTDNRA and I'm, I'm very much convinced that this will, this biomarker will, would be able to help um, to select um, patients um, for this treatment in the future. Thank you to our speakers and to you for listening to this episode of VJ Oncology. We hope you found our discussion on advances in the field of GI cancers interesting and exciting. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe on your favourite podcast app to our weekly podcasts to stay at the forefront of the latest advances in oncology. You can also follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology and visit vjoncology.com for the most up-to-date news in the field. See you next week.